if you go to a preaching class or something like that, they tell you that when you begin to speak, you need to be positive. So the congregation are listening suddenly and will follow you. <coughs> Excuse me. Well, I'm going to start negatively, just to be different. And I'm going to tell you what I'm not going to tell you. All right? With masks on, it's very difficult to see if you're responding. You've just got eyes poking above. You know, when you meet someone in the street, you can't smile at them, can you? It, it doesn't work. The title tonight is Unity, and what I'm not going to speak on is unity in the church, the local church. I hope there is unity here, and if there was disunity, then it would be the job of the elders or someone to sort it out. <coughs> what I am bringing before you tonight is a wider unity. And I've got four headings. And the first one I've called Ways to Unity. Ways to Unity. If you, or when you came to this church for the first time, if you've moved, or if you're on holiday and you go to a church, and sometimes you'll go to church and think, ah, that's nice, you feel settled as you sit down and the service goes on because you're familiar, you fit in, it's nice. You feel a unity with the church, with the group. Unless, of course, they've got an electronic organ, but that's a different uh, thing altogether. There is a certain unity like that. There are unity within denominations, or at least there was, wasn't there? The Methodists started through Wesley's preaching and they came together and they united as a bond of believers and they built the churches. And they... But over the years, of course, things change and the unity in denominations is not what it was. Ways to unity. Ah, what about a statement of faith? You've seen statements of faith, no doubt. You've probably signed them. Churches have them. Societies have them. And it's a, generally a piece of paper about this size. And it will state basic truths of the scripture. It will speak of creation of God, of Christ, of the Holy Spirit, of the Word of God, of the Second Coming, and so on. St brief statements. Now, if we all sign this statement of faith, now there we've got unity together. We haven't. We've got a bit of uniformity. No, statements of faith do not give unity. And I'll tell you why. I think Roger touched on this a week or two back, but he was talking about the second coming of Christ. And as you may or may not know, there are quite different and divergent views, amillennial, premillennial, postmillennial, and so on. Don't worry about the titles, but there are these different views. 
And I think Roger said, if I may paraphrase what he said, he has a certain view, but would not dispute others who have other views along that line. This is where a statement of faith breaks down. You can sign you believe in the second coming of Christ, but you perhaps don't mention the actual detail, and you might have a slightly different view from somebody else. So a statement of faith will go so far, but it's only a general view. And it is a sort of direction to unity. There are long ones, of course. There's the Westminster Confession of Faith, but it's more than a page like this. I think it's about 30 chapters, which surely must cover everything. But we're talking about this simple thing that you may have signed, you must have looked at. It's a way, but it's not the proper way. What is the basis of unity? It's found here, not in the statement of faith, but in the word of God. When Christ was talking to Nicodemus, what did he say? He told him he must be born again. And John, earlier on in the chapter, says we must be born of the spirit, not the flesh. Now, I'm talking, I know, to those who are familiar with this passage and familiar with what I'm saying. Yes, the, the basis of unity is being born by the spirit of God. Born again, converted. This is the only basis of unity. It's in the scriptures. And there's no other basis. It's there quite clearly. We are born again of God. And if we're born of God, God therefore is our Father. And if you're following me, if God is our Father and we are his child, we all, who acknowledge Christ as Father, are children of God. We are all the children of God by faith, says Paul, when he's talking to the Galatian Christians. You see how I'm working through this. This is the basis. This is there's no other way. It's not a denomination. It's not a statement of faith. It's not how we feel. It's not how we act. It's what we are. And we are children of God. God is our Father if we are his by faith in Christ Jesus and born again by the work of the Holy Spirit. We are therefore in the family, a Christian family. Paul speaks about the whole family in heaven and earth. All those who have gone before us and who live now, who are and who have been born again through faith. 
Writing to Galatians, he said, we are all one in Christ Jesus. Everyone who trusts in Christ is of him, is a child of God, and therefore connected with others who so... Let's, let's look at the human family to enlarge his illustration. Some of you are... I'll start again. Some of you have brothers and sisters. Some of you, as parents, will have sons and daughters, have children. Cynthia and I have children. I don't know. Do you call them children when they're in the 50s? I'm not sure. We have offspring. Two females and two males, put it that way. Um, they're not quite the same height. They're not quite the same build. They don't have the same interests. Similar color hair, I suppose, apart from when age takes over. You know, they're sort of the same, but not quite. And sometimes in families you get this throwback and you suddenly get somebody with red hair or blonde hair or something. But if you are born into a family, you're of that family. Hopefully you get on with your brother and sister and so on. Hopefully there's not a black sheep in the family. But if you're of that family, you're of that family. And nowadays, of course, that with DNA, your root can be traced. So there's unity in the family. Not uniformity. My brother is quite different from me in his interests. When we were youngsters together, he spent all his time fiddling about with electrical things and radio things and it was the beginning of television, we're going back a bit. Quite different. It might be in your family. But if there's a common fatherhood, you are linked, you are connected. And so it is in the family of God, the Church of Jesus Christ. Each one who is born by faith in Christ is linked to Christ and to each other. And we are united together through our common birth, as brothers and sisters are united together through their common birth. And we have unity because of that. This is the basis of unity. Born again. This unity is within us because of our birth our new birth in Christ Jesus. It's not something we need to work towards. Paul says when writing to the Ephesians, endeavor to keep the unity. They've got it. They're not trying to get it. They've got it already. We've got it. We can't deny it. We're united together because of our birth. But we've still got to strive to keep it. My third point, you may think is a little bit sort of unnecessary and off the side. 
I've called it barriers to unity. I mention it because it's there and I've experienced it over the years. I was talking to a Christian man of mature years some time ago and we're talking about a society that we knew and we supported and I still do and he had for many years and he went to their meetings and he said, oh, I've resigned. Oh, I said. I went to one meeting and the man stood up behind the pulpit and he was wearing a cardigan. I resigned immediately and I haven't supported that society since. I know views change. I should think many years ago I'd be looked down upon not wearing a dark suit in the pulpit. Things change. But let us beware that we don't allow a little prejudice of our own to spoil any unity. Sometimes this tradition I remember a pastor in Sussex of many years and he was helping out at a village church. He was sort of retired and a very traditional little church and he said to me, whenever I say, um, let's, let's, let's do this, you know, a little change as a new pastor, oh, we always have done it that way, they'd say. They weren't going to change. Or when he suggested something, should he do? Oh, we never have, Pastor. We never did. And sometimes we get tradition, don't we? And stuck in it. Sometimes there's the incorrect or over-application of the scripture. Years ago, <laughs> um, well, I was in the forces, that's going back a bit, and we were docked at Plymouth, and I went to get ashore from time to time, and I was taken by a fine Christian family, and I spent the weekend with them. And they went to the Brethren Assembly. And he said to me, we're breaking bread this morning, but you can come because I have met the elders yesterday and I've told them about you and they said you could meet at the table. Don't find that here. As Roger clearly mentions when we are around the communion table, let a man examine himself, not the elders, so they've taken the scripture but applied it incorrectly. And it became a barrier to the unity. My fourth point, and as a good preacher, I've sneaked in three others underneath it. So if you think, ooh, Russell's on his fourth point, we'll be stopping soon, you're wrong. Won't be over long, but you're wrong at the moment. 
Expression of unity, my last point. I suppose I was privileged the way I was brought up spiritually because we, as a family, went to an independent evangelical church. Probably the larger of the buildings in the city, the churches that is. And so if we had something on, a special speaker or some relay or something as we had in those days, then we would invite other groups of Christians, we'd invite the Congregationalists and the Anglicans, interestingly still going very strong and spreading in Hull, and the Brethren and the Pentecostals, we'd invite them to join us in that meeting. And when I was, before I came to Ripon and associated with churches, I worked with the FIEC, which is a fellowship of independent evangelical churches. And it's all over the country. In the, and these churches are similar and they are united to a point on the statement of faith. But they're slightly different. And when we used to meet, it was nice to meet others. Same as you, born again, preaching the gospel, but slightly different. And I've met that in my travels. Just a couple of instances. When the Queen took me around the Mediterranean for a year and a bit, and I was on HMS Eagle, we used to call at various places, and we called up Malta, and occasionally it was on a weekend. We went to Malta to get some more food every three weeks, because if you're serving three meals a day to 2,000 people, you get through a lot of food. And there was a Brethren Assembly there, and I used to meet with them. But it was nice. We were there in good weather. So what did we do? Well, we went for a swim in the afternoon with the other brethren and then to the meeting. <sighs> brethren swimming on a Sunday. Hmm. Well, perfectly good Christians. I remember someone saying to me when we were in Toronto that on a Sunday lunchtime, there are probably more Bibles than the menus in the restaurants. Have a Sunday morning service and you go and have a meal in the restaurant. Ooh. What the commandments say. I'm no good on numbers of commandments, but you shall do no work. Thy son, thy daughter, the servant, they were not to work, were they? On the Sabbath and Christians don't work on a Sunday. So, you take your wife and family out for a meal. Others are working. Yeah, but they're not Christians, so does it matter? Oh, you're paying for it. Ha-ha, <laughs> you're not. Got the old card. You see, different people in different parts of the world think differently, but they are not poor Christians. They're not doubtful Christians. I think we must recognize that. So that's my first point. Expression of unity. We must recognize others that are not like us, but are fine Christians, and we're united to them by faith in Christ Jesus. 
Spurgeon said, you know, when we get to glory, there's going to be some surprises. And he said, we're going to look around. I can't see. And that person wasn't there. And then we, hello. And you're surprised to see somebody else there. We judge by outward experiences, outward instances. The Lord looks at the heart. We must recognize other Christians in other groups, other churches. I'm not saying join with them. I'm not saying invite them to preach. I'm saying recognize. Bishop Ryle said one very clear thing. He said, you know, you are sort of hedged about in your own church, your own denomination. But he said this, keep the hedges cut so you can reach over and shake hands with those on the other side. Very good point. Recognize. Remember. Let us pray. Remember in prayer, let us pray for others, not just us, not just our immediate thoughts, not just the Reformed churches round about, if we do that, but others. There are many working hard in the gospel. Let us remember them. Remember in prayer, maybe in gifts, that's up to you. Recognize, remember, Rejoice. Rejoice in unity. I did that very much when I was doing my national service. The lads on board knew I was a Christian and recognised that and in their funny way accepted it. But, oh, Brett was a funny lad. You see, we called at Malta and I went ashore and I met these other Christians and I came back and where have you been Brett? And I said, yeah, yeah. Mm. We went to Syracuse in Sicily. We went ashore and I met the church there, had a time with them, came back. Oh, did you? I said, I met some friends. Did you? Here? Because you know what sailors do when they go ashore, enough of that. Then we stopped at Beirut. Ha, they said. Now what are you going to do? They're all Arabs. I went to shore, came back in the evening. Now then, Brett, what you done? Oh, well, I said, met some friends, had tea together. You do what? They could not understand. As a Christian, wherever we landed, I was able to find some of the Lord's people, unity in Christ. It's a great blessing. And I was able to experience it both on that voyage and also around this country when I was in the forces. Right, unity. There are ways to unity. There's only one basis of unity. 
there might be barriers to unity and we need to remember the expression of unity. We need to recognize others. We need to pray and we need to rejoice. Yes, we need to rejoice that there is this unity throughout the world, wherever we go. Paul said to the Galatians, neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, neither male nor female, ye are all one in Christ Jesus. There's a lot of talk about diversity and all the rest of it today. There's no more diverse than the church of Christ and we should rejoice in it, in the unity we have through faith and let us express it as we go about our daily work.